Yes, welcome, welcome, welcome. You heard the intro on this August 5th, 2019, the eighth anniversary of the Jason Bateman, Ryan Reynolds, Oscar contending body swap comedy, the change up. This is Mike, Mike, and Oscar Weekly, hashtag MMO Weekly, hashtag MMOW. This is where we recap the Hollywood week that was and get you ready for the Holly Weird week to come. I am your co host, Mike One. This is co host also, Mike. The change up, huh? You seen it? I don't know. You don't know? I've seen it. That is crazy. Have you seen it? Freaky Friday? Yeah. Well, then you've Both seen it, basically. <laughs> but I should know if I've seen this or not. Right. This was actually one. I don't know why. Well, I do know why. I was on a huge Jason Bateman kick. Mm-hmm. So like as the, one does, the, as one does. So it was all Arrested Development based. So mm-hmm. like Juno was a big deal for me. This was a big deal for me. The uh, the one where he inseminates Jennifer Aniston by that accident. I did see. Yeah. Maybe that's, that's what I'm yeah. thinking of. Maybe it was a big Bateman assance there in like the early 2010s, and uh, he was in a lot of things. And now it's been less so. But I miss him. Wish he'd come back. I want to make corny jokes. I'm not going to do it. Fair enough. Obvious <laughs> ones. Just too obvious. Low-hanging fruit. I'm going to avoid that. Boy, but do I... we have some low-hanging fruit to address today in this episode. We do. We do. Uh, and this is what we're watching. All right, let's lead it off. Mike, what have we been watching this week? Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah, you did. So, I went to see The Farewell. We're going to review that this mm-hmm. week. Yes, we are. And I programmed in a double feature. I was out of data. I was out of cell phone data, so I had to write down like all my numbers for the A-list because I wasn't going to be able to get it up on my app. Oh, okay. So I had to write it all down. So I was, I was locked in. People behind you in line must have loved you. No, it wasn't a big deal. It was, it was quick. There's right. really no lines for A-list. Not yet. I mean, not, not, That's nice. not for an early Friday evening kind of thing. Okay. So I'm locked into the, the double feature. It is what it is. Right. I'm going. You got to go. Yeah. And after the farewell, I'm just like... <laughs> This is really good. <laughs> I'm like one, you know, just questioning everything about about life. Naturally, is it was an emotional experience, mm-hmm. and I'm getting out of there, and I'm like, why am I walking out? All right, I'll just go to the car for ten minutes. I don't like watching all these trailers over and over and over again. I know, you right? Have a problem with this? this and is... I forgot yeah. that they had the Tenet trailer. Yeah. So before. Mike, Mike uh, specifically suggested to me, hey, maybe I'll go to Hobbs and Shaw. I'll check out the Tenet trailer because Christopher Nolan snuck in the first look at his new movie Tenet as a sneak preview that nobody knew was coming. It's one of the previews that plays before Hobbs and Shaw. So Mike, being a, a good partner here, saying I'll go see this. I'll go check out the trailer. For the, this is the whole reason I went to Hobbs and Shaw, and I screwed up, and I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, I, we watched a bunch of videos yeah. about the Tenet trailer. It seems really cool. I don't want to give away any spoilers, but it's Christopher Nolan, of huge cast. It might be you know some connections to Inception, That'll which be, is which is awesome. That'll be fun. Sounds like a time travel mm-hmm. movie. Perhaps so. We're, we can't wait to review that trailer, no. but we can't review that trailer today because that it's will Michael. likely be at one of the Oscar weekly episodes anyway. Which, if you have not sure. joined us, we did just start our second weekly program. We had our opening of that this past week. We we're doing an Oscar race checkpoint. That's going to be a weekly show where we comment on everything Oscar related. So if you're wondering why you're not getting an Oscar race update section here, that's because that's been turned into its own weekly show, which will now be at least for the current purposes, probably at the end of your weeks coming up so mmow is going to start off your week and the oscar race checkpoint will end your week yes sir so i saw hobbs and shaw and i did not realize that i missed the tenant trailer while i was watching hobbs and shaw otherwise i might have just stormed out just so engrossed in the action 
No. Oh. I just, whatever. I'm oblivious. Uh, my brain stopped, shuts off, I think. So was it a fun romp, at least? I had a good time for ten minutes here and five minutes there. There's some funny jokes, some cool fights. All the stuff that we like about the trailers right. in the movie. And there's a great motorcycle chase right up top. It's not a terrible time at the movies. Well, it, I mean, look, I understand it's not going to contend for any kind of awards. It'd be a highbrow kind of think piece movie, but... but- Jason Statham is enjoyable. The Rock is entertaining. Idris Elba will watch him in anything, right? Rebecca Ferguson as well? Right. Couple major issues I have. Major issues. Okay. The the trailer shows the whole movie, and this has happened a few times to me recently, which gets me very aggravated. So you have a, a, a film that's based on all these action movie payoffs, and these action movie payoffs can be spectacle. Right. And that could wow you, or it could be something unexpected happening happening. Nothing unexpected happened for me because I seen it all in the trailer. It's like the trailer gives you all the best payoffs. And that was very frustrating. The acting is not great. How dare you? They give The Rock too many speeches and the speeches are not good. Is he the most protected entity in film right now? I mean, he's always going to be the white bread superhero. He's always going to be the guy that's stronger than everyone and that saves the day. It was fun, and then the whole third act is just so dumb. Like, why <laughs> was he away from all these wonderful people? Like, they apologize mm. very quickly, and it's it's all wrapped up really quick. Oh, 25 years since I've seen everybody. We all know where he's going. We all know that they're still love each other. It's bullshit. It's ridiculous. How much of this is actual disdain for the movie and how much of it is just you're upset at yourself for missing the Tenet trailer? I am now, but I wrote this <laughs> review before I realized. Okay, fair. Remember, I, this was like yesterday. Yep. I was texting you like, I forgot to see the Tenet trailer. What an idiot I am. Anyway, uh, look, th- it's like getting angry at a Whopper or a Big Mac here. Yeah. It's a fast food kind of good. Right. You know what you're getting. You get it. You consume it. But it's like three Big Macs, and if you eat three Big Macs, you can get mad at yourself. Because sure. that's just too much. You that's just a, gorge yourself. That's a fine analogy. Uh, we will have more to say about that movie. And when we talk about the box office update, it did big numbers, as probably everyone expected it to. What about next, Mike? The Red Sea Diving Resort is on Netflix. I have no desire to actually take the dive and see this. <laughs> you got Chris Evans, Michael Kenneth Williams, uh, Alessandro Nivola, all great actors. And mm-hmm. They all do a nice job sure. here. Look, this is too formulaic. They're not very subtle about like what part of the movie one particular scene is and then the next part of the movie. Like This is the fun and games and this is the serious right. section and this is the historical horror section. It's not Hotel Rwanda. It's poorly made and it's kind of a mess. That being said, I mean, the history of it is incredible. These people are heroes and I learned something. I yeah. learned a lot. In and, fact. and yet at the same time, it's kind of nice to see Netflix still does put money into these original properties right. and show them and does get an audience for them. But it's like they're leaning into, we got these stars. Let's right. show this star's Heine. <laughs> there's a Heine scene. And then there's near nudity for this person. And then, like, they got all these hunks in the movie. And it's just like, but, but here, but there. And it's weird. And then they have, like, a fun and game section where it's like, all right, we're, we're, trying to do this hotel thing yeah. or pretending to run a hotel or a resort. Mm. They have like some fun with that and then immediately a few scenes later we're serious again. Right. It doesn't work. I will say after all the years of gratuitous and excessive nudity on behalf of showing women in those situations for no reason, I'm okay if 
men well, are going to be exploited a little bit for my, this. My season. solution would have been to double the nudity and to double the good. <laughs> like, then you, all right, fine. You got this backdrop. You got right. a serious historical backdrop, which turned out well for every for most people in the movie. So you could turn it into a nude resort. <laughs> yeah, you could have figured it out. You could have really leaned into the whole you know uh, Marigold Hotel kind of thing, but they didn't, they didn't do that. Uh, a movie that I did like was Skin. This is now on VOD. This is Jamie Bell's neo-Nazi yeah. reform movie. A strong story. It's a true story. You could not make this shit up. I cannot believe people have these jobs. Rehabilitating white supremacists. I think this we ki- reviewed this trailer. Heavy, heavy stuff. What a he- Another hero. Yeah. A historical hero. This guy, Daryl, he's still alive, and these guys are still friends. Uh, one of Jamie Bell's best performances. I was very, very impressed. I don't think it'll be Oscar at the end of the day, but another major career move for him. I mean, he's building up to it, yeah. I think. I did see Sword of Trust. This is Lynn Shelton. She's directed Glow, New Girl. You get Mark Marin in, in a central role. You get some funny comedians involved as well. Look, I, is this movie really funny? No. Is it action-packed? No. There's just one r- well-written scene after the next, and it's got this batshit crazy premise that's a lot of fun. It's kind of sad to hear that it's not a c- comedy, though. It doesn't land, at least. It doesn't land, but it's still, it's like, all right, that's a good scene. Like, right. oh, well, I was really engrossed. It's an hour and a half. Huh. I don't know if it's worth $8 right now, uh, like I paid for it, but I think, you know, it was worth, it, it really got me. And I was yeah, like, I'll oh, be honest. I was thinking about hitting play on it myself, but seeing the, $8, seeing the $8 tagline, not that I want, I do like supporting independent film, but I just... Right. I don't have money to spare like that. So, <laughs> Arctic is now on Amazon. Now, this is Mads Mikkelsen doing chores in the snow for the bulk of the runtime. Just FYI, if you can deal with that, right. it's a pretty good movie. Then there's a big survival story. There's crazy things that happen. It, it, it's not a true story, so it doesn't wow you in that regard. But it's 97 minutes, and it feels like three hours and 97 <laughs> minutes. Oh, it feels like a long movie. I mean, he's stuck there, and he's doing a lot of chores. Yeah. Not a lot of glowing recommendations from you so far, but what you watched this week. Not yet. Greta. And I'm not getting any closer to one. Uh, a couple of VOD purchases for me. Uh, look, the first hour of this movie is fantastic. Chloe Grace Moretz. You got Maka Monroe from It Follows and Isabelle Huppert. <laughs> I think that's right. Anyway, this was an awesome psychological thriller. You know, a lot of twists early on. I really enjoyed it. And then the last half hour is just, I'm screaming at the TV. No, Kill cool. her! <laughs> Why don't you just die? And I'm so mad at it because nobody is willing to murder people like I guess in a Tarantino movie. So maybe that's a me problem. <laughs> well, at least a recent bias. I like Neil Jordan films, but yeah, this is a recent bias. and It affected me, so that was good. Is that the point? Do they want you to have out, kind of outlash like that? It's just so contrived to get us into these big situations, right. these big showdowns yeah. like anybody else would be like bop bop them on the head dead <laughs> like right. after they put you through what they put you through yeah the gloves are off you need a yeah, it's go a, time a, f- a mortal finale there right i was just like these characters are too wimpy for me just go for it <laughs> what are we doing of course you know michael myers is gonna get up again right right does it get better with the upside Yes and no. Oh I mean, it's very formulaic. <laughs> Look, I mean, Cranston and, and Kevin Hart are funny. This is a sweet story. I love the French version more. Right. Nicole Kidman's great in everything yeah, always. She's awesome. So she's not a hot streak. Look, too. I mean, this movie pulls like a 180, where the characters are really just so accommodating mm-hmm. with one another, and then all of a sudden, like he's reminded of the hell he's living through. Right. 
And it's like, why weren't was why wasn't that the subject of the whole movie? He should be much crankier. I mean, maybe just to play devil's advocate. I, I have you not seen the movie. Tell me if I'm wrong, but you know, maybe it is a struggle in those situations for people that have limitations to kind of appreciate life. And I'm sure they get bogged down with depression. Yeah, but it's just points. like right in the, at the end of Act Two, it's just like, oh, all of a sudden, Brian Cranston's depressed. Oh, yeah. All of a sudden, right. like it's just. I don't know. Early Act One, end of Act Two, then all of a sudden he's it's, it's a downward spiral. All right. It should have been more gradual, and then the rest of it's a lot of fun. Now that being said, the rest of it's a lot of fun, and it's a it's a fun story, and they are funny in it, so that's worth it. Ugly Dolls, Mike. I have sad news to report. All right, this is hard to do. <laughs> Ugly Dolls will not be nominated for an Oscar. No, no. <laughs> I could only make it through forty five minutes. This really? Was, this was excruciating. You abandoned Ugly Dolls? It is the worst insult I can throw at a movie. Yeah. I hate leaving movies early. Or turning I, them off I can't early. do it. Yeah, me either. It's not worth the $3. Wow. I paid money for the first 45 minutes, and then uh, it's not worth the rest of it. Was there at least an original song by Kelly Clarkson? The songs are okay, but Mike, why are the cool dolls, the good-looking dolls, <laughs> humans? Like, they're humans, and then the, the ugly dolls are not humans. Like, the pretty dolls should be the ugly dolls, the same kind, but without their defects. Right. Makes no sense. And then all of a sudden, we got Catholic school kids. Mike, I was offended. I was a ki- I was a parochial school kid, and all of these kids are the evil dolls. Yeah, well, you're evil. I guess I'm a little evil, but come on, man. Not, I just, it was it was unwise. Not a roaring success of a, a lineup from you so far this week, at least as far as reviews go. No. What about Barry Season 1? It's funny at times, it's action-packed at others, both the comedy and the action works, and then it goes, you know, full drama, and I don't think they really pull it off. I, I was uh, I was disappointed. I, I will really say, was. yeah, I don't, I don't think you're way off. I could see season one being kind of polarizing, especially when you see the difference in the stakes between the two worlds he's trying to tightrope between. I, I do think season two was better. It's a tonal mess, season one, yeah. so I'm going to get into season two on everybody's recommendations. I didn't dislike the watch, and it's an easy binge. Right. I mean, it's four hours. Right. I did it in two nights. Really easy. And I wanted to click on the next episode quite a bit, so there That's you go. That's good. 1974 is The Gambler. Did the 70s save you at least? Did they Absolutely save the not. Oh, this no. racist chauvinist oh, did not age well. Is it an effective movie about gambling addiction? Yeah, it is. James Caan, Paul Sorvino, they do a nice job with their performances. Their characters are fucking assholes. But at the same time, I think it's an effective movie about this you know, situation right. where he just can't stop gambling. So mm-hmm. it's, it's brutal. Just brutal and excruciating to watch, not only for... The, the reasons where, you know, it pops up and culturally you're just like, wow, this was screwed up back right. then. Right, you'd never get away with writing this today. I had always wanted to watch this because it was filmed on my alma mater's campus. Oh, okay. And that's, like, I, I always had it on my list, so I was like, I gotta see this. This is gonna be my old stomping grounds, right. the 1974 version. So I finally, you know, clicked on it, and it's it's not good. Did you watch the remake with Mark, Mark Wahlberg? No, I didn't. No, so I, I didn't even know the story. Yeah, I, I saw the remake. It was a movie. Yeah, and nobody like nobody like this. So Real look, I watched a ton of BS for you guys this week. Yeah, the rough rough lineup. Let's see if we can salvage it at all. Let's see by skip this. Let's pick three. I'm going to try to keep skin out of it because you seem most high on. That's that. right. I like skin. So let's uh, let's go. Red Sea Diving Resort, Sword of Trust, and Greta. See by skip. I would buy Sword of Trust because I think that it's okay. well written stuff. Yeah, I, I like two movies this week. I guess I would see Red Sea Diving Resort again. Really? 
Greta, I'm skipping. And Greta, it just you're skipping. me off. It just huh. really pissed me off. And so that's a case of the character choices kind of getting in the way of your enjoyment of it, huh? I liked some of it. I like Neil Jordan. I really do. I just, I didn't, I couldn't, no, couldn't do it. Fair it enough. made me too angry. What's the best thing you saw this week, Michael? My mind's eye. Mm-hmm. Projecting the story from Dark Age by Pierce Brown. All hail Pierce Brown in the Red Rising series. This is a nerdgasm for me because I love great sci-fi. If you need science fiction, if you if you, it's like Game of Thrones but Star Wars mixed together, mm-hmm. it is awesome and it's crazy and I can't stop listening. And I watched a lot of stuff this week. I have barely watched anything since I started that audiobook. It's it's great. I'm ten hours into it, thirty-three hours. Pierce Brown is perhaps one of the best writers going. They're awesome. developing developing a TV series. And he's young. He's like, I hate him because he's like 32 <laughs> years old now. And he's got five books under his belt. But he's the man. He's oh. just the man. Maybe we could reach out to him, try to get him on the show. It would be fascinating to talk to him. It's nice seeing you. You know, you're the one that reads the books and actually listens to the audio books. And I, I don't know, read porn. You, uh, read, <laughs> you read news. I guess. Yeah, I do read news. I try to keep up with news. But you, uh, you're you the one that has the first blush of the two of us of the, what will be adapted and what could be adapted and what would make a good movie. So it's fun to see when you do get excited about a property or an author like that. That's very, awesome. Ex- very excited. Pierce Brown, Dark Age, Red Rising is the first book. If you need that good sci-fi, just go there. Cool. Simple as that. Cool. Mike, what did you watch? Yeah, true to form, I, I'm going to be a little probably shorter than you are, but I did watch a couple things this week. I watched The Front Runner. I watched, I think, three movies that you've already reviewed in previous MMOWs, but I'm just, I, I caught up with them myself. Mm-hmm. I liked The Front Runner. I really liked did it you? a lot. I, I think the biggest problem with the movie is that it just was supposed to be an Oscar contender. And it's not at all an Oscar contender. It's not that movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, Hugh Jackman, for me, doesn't do enough to pull off any kind of best actor consideration. Jason Reitman's very good. Yeah. J.K. Simmons, I mean, the cast is right. good. I like the the kind of snapshot in time of where this diversion between what is and isn't news actually kind of started, or at least the seeds of it were planted, compared to where we are today, how celebrities have become... TMZ gossip fodder to actual front page news. I mean, Kim Kardashian and Kanye West are getting Aesop Rocky brought back to the United States out of the Swiss jail and freeing people that have been in jail for a long time. So So you must have liked the pacing and the tone and the style of it because it's more like War Room, the political campaign documentary about the Clinton years and Stephanopoulos and those guys than it is like a contemporary political thriller or any kind of thriller that takes place in like a conference room, like Spotlight even. It's very different. It is. Very, it, it's they not that cinematic. It, they wanted it to be like all the president's men, I felt like. I mean, you have the two reporters out in the field, out in the shadows, hiding, kind of meeting with these shadowy figures, trying to report back to the, you know. I feel like they wanted it to be the updated version of that. It's not as effective, but I think if you look at it without the Oscars lens on it necessarily, hmm. you're going to have a decent enough movie and something interesting. And it really is fascinating because you look at, without taking shots, the current president, how he's been in affairs with other women and have admitted to such, and there's been evidence presented as such, and how it's just a non-issue anymore compared to this guy in 1984 and how big of an issue it was there that totally stopped his political career, essentially. Mm. Really a fascinating dichotomy and a look at just the human condition and what we value as a a, a race, a society, really. Mm. Mm. Uh, I'd be curious to rewatch it, to be honest with you. There's merit to it, certainly. Uh, you're not, you know, you're not going to get me blown away. But something you might be blown away by. I finally got around to watching the first John Wick. <laughs> Speaking of porn, I mean, this is just this is awesome. 
this is your movie too. <laughs> right. Like he's there for the dog. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of plot here. If that was a cat, <laughs> you'd be against. I'd it. be against John Wick. <laughs> I'd be rooting for his death. But how do you not like this? I, I know you've seen all three movies. You were very high on John Wick three, as most people were. John Wick one, two, three, all have great reviews, great numbers across all the critical sites. My buddy has been killing me for probably over a year now, trying to get me to watch the John. How Wick can you series. have a movie podcast without <laughs> right, exactly? And this was awesome. This is just it's just Keanu. There's scenes where he needs to emote, and Keanu doesn't emote well. So he's like screaming with this blank look on his face behind the wheel of a car. I loved it. He's a badass killer. I loved it. Keanu emotes with two of these. <laughs> I'm throwing my fist right, right now. Right. It's just it's all it's exactly what you think it is, and it doesn't disappoint at all. Love Excellent. that. Excellent. Also, started watching Escape Room. Haven't finished it yet. So you stopped mid-escape. You showed up to do this recording right now. Is pretty much what happened. <laughs> so I have that on pause on my VOD right now. It's a very, very interesting concept. Mm -hmm. And I like when horror movies try different things and don't try to be by the book. And this is a very, very unique concept. I'm not 100% sure they're pulling it off. I know they're not pulling off some of the acting. There's some performances yeah. in here that are that are rough. Did you see this? No. You I haven't have seen I thought this. you might have. Okay. I'm going to finish it. I'm curious to see where how it ends and how it wraps up and what the big reveal is going to be at the end of it because they are hinting towards something uh, ominous lurking in the background like an Oz-type figure. So. so you're not going to discard it like an ugly doll? No. Like I would. No, I would not discard <laughs> it like an ugly doll. But yeah, that's those are the three movies I kind of worked on this week and watched for my own. You watch a lot of TV and stuff that you don't I watch like. I watch a down. lot of YouTube watch a lot of reality TV, unfortunately, anything because I'm a bad person. Anything that stood out? This season... Putting you on the spot here. Yeah, you are, I didn't write this down. I've been keeping up with Big Brother. It's a rough season. There's a lot of just... I'm sorry. Shitty people. Uh, there's not another word. There's just bad people on it this year that are very manipulative. I've said this before. Borderline racist. I've been keeping up with Billions... That's a great show. Paul Good. Giamatti is really... I, he, he could do anything, can't he? Like, you could put him in any role, and I think you're going to get a, a great performance out of him. You always do this. You always, like, you become obsessed by one thing yes. or two things, yeah. and then I watch, like, 17 things. Yeah. 17, one, you know, 90-minute things, and you just watch a whole season. I, I've said before recording, I'm very jealous of Mike's ability to just put things on in the background and still absorb them enough to put coherent and Yeah, but you say you don't watch stuff, but then you're like, yeah, I've been watching it. I've been binging billions <laughs> nonstop. <laughs> I don't like talking about me unless I get to talk about me. Yeah. But no, that's that's kind of what I've been watching. And a lot a lot of just junk YouTube stuff. There are some YouTube channels that are doing interesting stuff. I love what uh, SB Nation's been doing with a couple of their series. I love mm -hmm. uh, some, some Bleacher Report stuff. Been reading a lot online. If anyone's interested in a journalist kind of doing an expose of their own company... Hmm. Uh, they the, allow that? <laughs> no. The comp, the, according to this article, it's dead spin, but according to the article, the higher-ups that this article is criticizing tried to shut this article down multiple times. Wow. It's on dead spin right now. It is a wild, wild story. It's a long one, a big think piece. Uh, Laura Wagner wrote it. I think it's an incredible job. Bravo to her for, for putting the light on. That cannot be an easy thing to do under those circumstances. But that may actually be the best thing I saw this week. Nice. That Deadspin article talking about uh, Gizmodo Media Group and their ownership right now and how it might be kind of, there's a lot of smoke to what might be a fire there in a little bit. Um, Interesting. See by skip, though, Mike. You got the front runner, John Wick, and Escape Room? Yeah, look... 
It's weird to ask you to see by skip there because you're halfway through one. And that's going to be the skip because the other two are just heads and shoulders to me above them but anyway. But you're seeing it, so you're uh, a yeah, hypocrite. Right. I, well, that's obvious. <laughs> <laughs> but I will, I mean, I'm going to buy John Wick because that's, if you're feeling bad, if you put John Wick on, that's everything you want and more out of that kind of movie, isn't it? And yet it? you thwarted my review of the front runner way back. But I just think maybe my expectations were Oscar I think movie. that's what it is. You wonder, if these movies come out at another time yeah. of year, would that have been an 80 percenter where everybody would have been like, this is really right. solid, and just because it comes out during Oscar season and has all that hype built into it, and it gets 50% or whatever it got, right. people are ju- it's just that disappointed vote. I think you're right on the money there, man. And when you did review it, I was down on it just because I was reading all the reviews, and it seemed like such a massive disappointment, and it does have the 50s and 60s scores. Right. It's not reviewed very well. Maybe we all do that. Maybe if we yeah. watch Widows now, we, we would like it We talk bit. about how expectations rule the day with all yeah, this rocking, right? So, and certainly, if you go in expecting an Oscars, Widows is a great example. If you expect an Oscars-type movie, and you fall at all short of that, the disappointment is only going to be heightened and magnified. True. So I think there's a lot to that, absolutely. So, audience interaction now, Mike. We have jerked our audience around for a month, so we want to mention a bunch of yes, things. Yes, we do. This is, this is fun. We have Lashana Lynch to Linda Hamilton. We got a couple of efficiency awards here. Right off the top, Jonathan Michaels at Jonathan M underscore 507 says Lashana Lynch was in Captain Marvel with Samuel Jackson, who was in Jungle Fever with Wesley Snipes, who was in Blade 2 with Ron Perlman, who was in Beauty and the Beast with Linda Hamilton. I like that they incorporated Blade. That had to be done specifically because of everything going on in the MCU and how we gushed over it a couple weeks ago, right? I love Wesley Snipes being in the middle of this. Samuel Jackson, two of my favorite (laughs) actors. Right to us. Right to Ron Perlman. Beauty and the Beast is going to be something in common for a lot of these. Uh, <laughs> as it should be for out through cinematic history. Yeah. Dan Butler at Dan Butler 211. Lashana Lynch is in Bond 25 with Anna D. Armas, who was in Blade Runner 2049 with Mackenzie Davis, who was the new Terminator movie with Linda Hamilton. All women, too, he noted. And that, we love that. Love seeing that. And Nailed I cannot it. wait to see Mackenzie Davis go head to head with Linda Hamilton in that new Terminator movie. That yeah, was it, awesome. does, it really does look good. Zach Dynamite. At yep. the Boom Camel, C A M E L. What a name. <laughs> Lashana Lynch and Sam Jackson are in Captain Marvel. Sam Jackson was in Fluke with Ron Perlman, who was in Beauty and the Beast with Linda Hamilton. <laughs> I love it. They're getting shorter. I can't believe Ron Perlman and Linda Hamilton talk about what, and what great casting job back in that, those days for that TV show. But guess what? DJ Kento Live, I have a, a bad segue by me, but DJ Kento Live. Had the same exact thing later on in the thread. Oh, it's the exact same list? Yeah, the same exact thing. Oh, no kidding. So, so Shauna Lynch and Captain Marvel, Samuel L. Jackson, and Fluke, Forgive Ron me. Perlman, Beauty and the Beast? I don't know who was first. Forgive me. I don't know who came second. Someone came, responded down in the thread, but literally the same thread. I thought that's that was amazing. Cool. That's a sign for us. Like, we're getting people to respond, and they can't, you know, they're not even reading the whole thread. It's well, great. I mean, to it's cards, a good cards good on the moment. table, we've been kind of debating what, how to enhance the six degrees for the audience interaction aspect of it. And this week, I mean, we, you guys came out in spades this yeah, week. We, we could just, not thank you enough because we got all kinds of. Uh, submissions and interactions celebrity submissions by the Smowdown folks <laughs> yeah, that was we're awesome. coming up with that so let's talk about uh, Hoya 81 Hoya Row <laughs> Hoya Row 81 <laughs> uh, Lashana Lynch was in The Fast Girls with Rupert Graves Rupert Graves was in Air Force One is down with Linda Hamilton that might be the quickest of their all if you've noticed if you take a look at the chain this week you'll know there's one 
special one that did it even quicker than any of these did. That's the rightful winner of the efficiency award. But we is had it, to reserve it for a different award as well. Is we'll it get though? to it. <laughs> All right, David Lynch awards the left peak of the Twin Peaks yeah. goes to at Dark Nook Shop. He says Arnold to Samuel Jackson because in an infamously bad scene that I was cut this. from Terminator Three. Arnold played Chief Master Sergeant William Candy, the soldier who serves as the body model for Cyberdyne Research System Soldier of Tomorrow, which would become the T-800. But Arnold's voice is dubbed over to make him sound like an American with a southern accent, and the actor doing the voiceover is none other than Samuel L. Jackson. Then, of course, Samuel Jackson uh, to Lashana Lynch and Captain Marvel. Okay, we always say all the time how when these types of language are presented to us as responses we're like you guys could just be lying to us and we wouldn't know and this is another case when i read this i'm like no i'm not i can't celebrate this because you're obviously lying and then he provided the actual clip he did he provided the actual <laughs> clip which was a hilarious i was like what the hell am i watching terminator 3 you went so wrong and then it gets hilarious right in the middle of it so we retweeted it so go back on our uh, feed there and listen i mean any other week that's a winner right <laughs> that's the one that wins at the end of the day here probably but we'll go with the right peak talk zone Radio, another frequent flyer here at Talk Zone Radio. Lashana Lynch was in Captain Marvel with McKenna Grace, who did voice work on Gravity Falls with John DiMaggio, who was Jake on Adventure Time with Ron the Leash, the Like, the Lich, the Lich Perlman, who was in Beauty and the Beast with Linda Hamilton. I saw John DiMaggio and I thought, well, it's finally, we finally have connected to the 1950s Yankees with six degrees of MMO. No, no. this is the deep cut city. <laughs> yeah, Again, is. we can't even fact check this. I don't even know what the, who these people are. And I, McKenna Grace, I know she did a nice, nice job on the uh, Conjuring movie, the Anna, yes. Annabelle. Yeah, Annabelle. I have no idea what the Lich is referring to. Do you? <laughs> Sounds cool, though, right? <laughs> I just want to. I wanted to pretend like we sounded cool by knowing what it was. We, I, I, we can't I even pronounce that. it. Yeah. Pronounce it. I was hoping you knew. <laughs> no, Damn sorry. it! Sorry we just come out down. looking like dorks again. <laughs> All right, uh, the schmodown section. Yeah, we. So William Bibiani is someone we enjoy. We talked to him quite a lot on Twitter. They have back and forth. Uh, he jumped in with his own submission, but his submission to this Six Degrees of MMO, I guess, was seen by other members of the Schmodown out there. If you don't know what the Schmodown is, it's this trivia movie trivia league that's based off, like, WWE personalities. Yeah, millions really of listeners and yeah. likes on YouTube. Everybody loves it. I- I've loved every uh, every match I've watched. You you turned me on to yeah. it. My, my brothers turned me on to it a couple years ago, to be honest. Highly entertaining yeah, stuff. Great stuff. And we actually had a couple of the competitors <laughs> follow William Bibiani's lead here, so we'll start with Bibbs. Lashana Lynch was in still star-crossed with Anthony Stewart Head, who is in Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance with Christopher Lambert. (laughs) Christopher Lambert's awesome. Who is in Fortress with Jeffrey Combs, who is in Reanimator with Bruce Abbott, who is in Tag the Assassination Game with Linda Hamilton. I mean, not only, obviously, Reanimator, Ghost Rider 2, but bringing in Tag the Assassination Game... (laughs) That's got, and and Bibbs is is we know he's a guy that watches everything and sees everything so I'm sure he actually sat through tag the assassination game at some point. 
the fact that Christopher Lambert is his centerpiece here <laughs> just tells you everything you need to know. I love Christopher. He's so awesomely bad, so it's perfect. Chance Ellison was the next member of the Schmodown to follow up William Bibiani there. He's part of that corruption group, the Mike Kalinowski group within the Schmodown nice. world. At Chance Wars, C-H-A-N-C-E-W-A-R-S underscore 91. Lashana Lynch was in Captain Marvel with Samuel L. Jackson, who was in Die Hard with a Vengeance, of course, with Bruce Willis, who was in The Expendables with Arnold. Arnold, of course, being the Terminator with Linda Hamilton. That's like the most action franchisey response for any of these we've gotten. Unless, yeah, if he put Sly in there. Right, that's true. Been, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a missed opportunity chance. I, I hate to, you know, criticize you, but if you had Sly in there too, you had the Planet Hollywood trio, you might have won, oh. won more hardware. You could have gone the restaurant route. Imaginary hardware from us, because we're poor and we don't give away anything. Carl the Terminator at Drew McQueen. Yeah, and then Drew McQueen and the Godfather of the Schmodown came off the top rope to throw his two cents in. Lashana Lynch was in Captain Marvel with Brie Larson, who was in Free Fire, with Army Hammer, who was in Jay Edgar, with Steven Root, who was in Stanley and Iris with De Niro, who was in Midnight Run, with John Ashton, who was in King Kong Lives. That's right. Linda Hamilton was in King Kong Lives. I, you start with a modern day MCU action hero <laughs> classic, and you end on King Kong Lives. As if the Beauty and the Beast CV isn't enough, isn't ridiculous enough to make us laugh and giggle. With two MMO favorites right in there, Army Hammer and Steven Root. Yeah, of course. Those I mean, Army like, Hammer, he's our boy <laughs> and steven rue is great we in barry yeah. as well i thought he was awesome <laughs> so we appreciate those guys for for playing along this week uh we also have the red room award so these are the ones that are are lynchian but are off the reservation a little bit a little bit off the reservation uh now something more complicated from Wojcik white yes linda hamilton was replaced as sarah connor by lena heady yes in uh terminator the sarah connor chronicles sarah connor. the you. tv show there he said TSCC and my head exploded. <laughs> Heedy worked with Ethan Hawke, a father of Maya Hawke. A father. A father. <laughs> like one of the fathers. <laughs> one of the fathers yeah. who played in the miniseries Little Women. So I, might have known, I didn't know she was in Little Women. I did Women. not know that either. The new adaptation of Little Women will contain a character played by Florence Pugh, Jeez, who will appear in Black Widow with Rachel Weiss, whose husband Daniel Craig will be replaced by. As 007 by Lashana Lynch. That went like four different places I didn't expect it to go. I thought I knew where it was coming next, and then yeah. he took a totally different route. A great storyteller. Yeah, you had the Linda Hamilton takeover. <laughs> then you had the father of, of another actress. <laughs> then you had the husband of another actor who is being replaced by the end point. Right. I loved it. Great job, Wojciech, as always. All right, so this is... I can't let this one win because it caused me a headache when I first read it. And this is Frank Black at F-R-A-N-C-B-L-A-K. Now, this is not Black Francis, the right. lead singer of the Pixies. <laughs> I was very upset by that, but so, that's fine. So they they asked me a question first, Frank Black, and they said, Could, does it have to be six degrees? And like always, we, we appreciate the input. We, to remind everyone, no, it doesn't. It's just, you know, we, we love rewarding the most efficient. We love rewarding the most off the wall. We love rewarding the best, kookiest ones, etc. My mistake was saying etc. and off the wall because right. Frank Black said, so etc. in this context could certainly include a tweet from a podcast show. I printed it out taped it to the wall, then took it off the wall. I submit one degree of separation. <laughs> this 
lunatic <laughs> printed out our tweet yeah. of our of the six degrees challenge put a picture of it being taped on his wall and then a picture of him taking it off the wall so it is literally <laughs> lashana lynch to linda hamilton within our tweet which has been off the wall off his that's wall crazy. that's insane it would have won though <laughs> mr frank black if you like took a snapshot of a thermostat and it was like <laughs> 84 degrees and then 83 degrees that, that would be the only way you could, yeah then you would have won no question but i i do we applaud you and i mentioned love you. that entry so much yeah, we that mentioned was you awesome second to last. thank you so much for that that was amazing i was laughing so hard when i first saw that but That's pretty funny mike we do have a winner this week and it is a previous winner is it not he's awesome at this he's getting into Nebis ben territory yeah. you hear that ben he's yeah. getting into your territory here and there's a couple. There's a couple really good submitters every week that uh, are going to be in the Hall of Fame status. Agree. Mark Burgundy at the One Hanson with an E N. Lachana Lynch is British, as is Haley Roberts. Love, yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Funny. The wife of Dave, David Hasselhoff. So we're back to America anyway, <laughs> right? Who was in Sharknado 4 uh -huh. with Steve Gutenberg. I'm sure he loves everyone reminding him of that. Who was in Lavantula. Lavantula? Lavantula? It's got to be a lava tarantula. That's what I think, too. It has to be. <laughs> and he also goes on to say it's a similar plot to Arachnaquake. <laughs> of course it is. And then he connects it to our original yeah. person, before connecting it to our new person. Yeah. Uh, I mean... Edward Furlong to, to T2's Linda Hamilton. Listen, it's one of the rules that we just haven't revealed yet. Anytime you can reference both Lavantula and Arachnaquake back to back... And Steve Gutenberg and Hasselhoff! <laughs> <laughs> That's the triumvirate. That's the holy trinity of, of awful monster movies. So, Mark Burgundy at the One Hanson. Congratulations, you are the winner and the owner of all things Six Degrees of MMO Bragging Rights this week. Uh, you get to sit on the Iron Throne made of coat hangers, which is royal blue, on a, one of those jet-propelled things that goes on the Bayou Swamp. It's got streamers on the back of it. It's run by a guy. I forget what I named the guy. Uh, give me something to Earl. add to it this week. I'm going to name him Earl. It's, his name is Earl. Yeah, it's Jason and, Lee. And Earl eats sardines <laughs> for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> It smells like fish. Uh, guys, listen, this was a great week for Six Degrees of MMO. Thank you sincerely from the bottom of our heart for participating. You guys make this so much fun for us. You knock it out of the park every time. Before we move on, Mike, let's give him a new challenge for next week. So Marlon Wayans is in a big trailer review for us. Yes, he is. <laughs> big Twitter question, mm -hmm. and it's going to be fun. It's a Netflix movie coming out. And yeah, he's still alive. That's what I learned this week. Still making movies. And Dora the Explorer comes out, movie form. I forget it's called something else. Dora, Dora the Lost the City of Gold, I think Lost it's... City of Gold, okay. Il Isabella Moner, or Moner. Mm -hmm. she's really good in a couple different things this year. I didn't research this very well. Marlon Wayans to Isabella from Dora the Explorer there. Connect them. Have fun with it. Show me who she is. Right. Yeah. Because I don't remember who she is. I just know she's a big deal now. Fair enough. So that's your challenge for this upcoming week. Marlon Wayans to Isabella Moner. We'll move on to a box office update. First story here is that China's Neza sets the animation record, Mike. $91.5 million weekend. We got animated movies making almost $100 million at the weekend box office in China now. That's phenomenal. 
right? I, I mean, we've talked about almost weekly for the past two months now how that China territory and the China box office over there it seems to be burgeoning and growing and growing with each passing week. And now it's it's kind of staking its claim as having the highest, what, opening for an animated film ever? Yeah. I mean, this is a big deal. This is no small feat. And this is also why we keep pontificating that probably the studios are going to play more towards that market with their upcoming properties. And why wouldn't they? Obviously, there's a desire to see well-made films in that territory. It's exciting because that is probably considered like a children's property and then boom, it blows up. So not just, you know, Chinese teens mm. are going to see movies in droves. The kids are now going and the, and the parents are taking the kids in droves. So that's awesome. It really it really is fun and exciting for, for movie making around the world. Yeah, and that was it. I mean, it only showed in China, as the Hollywood Reporter article mentions, it, despite the fact that it was only shown in China, it was number two this week at the global box office. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Okay, number one was Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw. Did $61 million here, 181 total on the weekend. So that's a good take. Yeah, certainly a good take of the box office. I, the only thing I would, I would highlight as maybe a concern is that it's the sixth highest Fast and Furious opening of all time, even though it is technically a spinoff. But the one that it's right behind is 2009's Fast and Furious film, which opened at $71 million and only went on to do $155 million total for its theatrical run. You would think if you're opening at $60, $65 million, that usually means you're going to cross $200 million domestically, at least historically in the last couple of years. That's what that has meant. Uh, wasn't the case there, at least in 2009, maybe a decade now removed. Uh, this will have legs, and people will want to see The Rock and Jason Statham kick ass a couple times over. I think they were hoping that this would become another billion-dollar franchise yeah. kind of thing. Maybe not going to make those numbers, but it's going to be something that makes $200 million at the end of the day, something uh, like hopefully. that. Hopefully, yeah. I mean, this is also was it's pleasing audiences that do see it. It's got the high or tied for the highest cinema score I read uh, of the Fast and Furious franchise. So Then again, we kind of just saw, based on your numbers, if half right. the box office for the domestic came from its opening weekend last time, the true fans are going to see yeah, it opening weekend. Yeah, at least a decade ago. They've had a run of success, so we'll see if they can keep that up. And hopefully $60 million does mean a big windfall for them. The Lion King made $38.2 million in its fourth weekend, I want to say, domestically. Uh, 72 worldwide for a 110.2 weekend cube. That's big. blew by a billion dollars in yeah. relatively short order. 1.19 now. I guess it's not all that surprising. It's a little surprising if you look at the Metascore and the Critics scores. They weren't overly high on it, but look, there was people out there that I was arguing with. I didn't think this would get to a billion as quickly as it did. It has. It's on its way to 1.5. Uh, I've been very wrong about these live-action features because apparently the quality of the film and the critic scores back them up. They haven't been rated or rated right. all that overly high, but it just doesn't matter. There's going to be kids out there that want to see these properties and there's going to be parents that will take them along. So And adults who are willing to go yeah. like us. Yeah. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood did okay. It held... At twenty million for the weekend, it's seventy-eight point eight domestically thus far. It has not uh, released overseas yet, so people were pretty positive about this. Lost about half, a little more than half its audience from week one. That's not all that unusual for a film in this day and age. It's a little disheartening. I probably I would like to see it lose about forty percent. Yeah, have mm -hmm. make a little more money than that. It's at, what do you say, 78, 79 million right now? It's knocking on the door of 80 million. If it loses half its audience next week, that's going to be at least another 10 million to put on top of it. That'll bring it to 90 million, which is what it was made for anyway. That doesn't necessarily mean it breaks even, obviously. But, you know, like every other Tarantino film lately, it's going to need the international release to do well and to make money on it. We talked about during part one of the review the deal that Tarantino got from Sony 
and what numbers this film needs to do for Sony to make any money, any profit whatsoever off of it. It's got to get up there, so it's going to depend wholly on the international market. It's nice to see, though, that there wasn't a drop in theaters from week to week, that this one kind of stayed out in as many theaters as it was uh, over 3,600 theaters. Five of his last seven films, Tarantino's last seven films, have done better overseas than they've done domestically, so that's a good omen for this. It's going to make probably another 150 overseas, so it'll make, you know, 300 million at least. Yeah, we projected this to be about three, 300, 350. We're going by the numbers, at least historically, and how the last couple of years have rolled out with numbers of the films opening where this one did. So hopefully it, it keeps up, and hopefully it does make money for both the director and the studio. That'd be nice to see. Yeah, in the four or five spots, no surprise here. Spider Man Far From Home came in fourth with about roughly 8 million. Toy Story 4 with roughly 7 million. Toy Story 4 is approaching 1 billion. That will be Disney's upteenth billion dollar movie on the year. They've and already made more money at the theaters at this point in August, early August of 2019 than they did all of last year, I read. Yeah, uh, they're crushing it. Specialty box office, Mike. The Farewell made $2.4 million from only 409 theaters, over 5 k per theater average. It's up to $6.8 million cumulative now. A24 acquired the rights for $7 million, so this is a platform release that seems to be working. They came out with great per theater uh, averages yeah. when they started, like you mentioned, so this is a good sign for The Farewell. Yeah. I just wonder with the slew of new releases about to come, if it's going to hang in most theaters, if it's going to be able to continue to expand or not we've seen this already i mean last year can you ever forgive me was in our local theaters for like three weeks and then it was out it just wasn't there to make money it was just there to be showcased around oscars time so it's always touch and go and this is a24 as well so you never know what they're planning on doing as far as uh distribution or campaigning for these types of films go it's they haven't been on the ball the last couple years with keeping that up so we'll see there are people out there that have seen this film that are advocating for its oscar chances in at least one or two categories i really liked it i I really did we're going to review it this week so we're excited i just hope it doesn't leave before we can review it but you know yeah i'm I'm a fan right loose only hit five theaters but had a 26k theater average for 132,000 over the weekend that's solid but it's not super yeah so they led the per theater average this week that's always nice to do but i saw people celebrating this online i don't understand it yes it's a big deal that you led the per theater average for this week but twenty six thousand dollars per theater is about a quarter of what The Favorite did when it came out last year in November Mm -hmm. on its limited theater run, or limited theater opening, I should say. And it's about a little better than a third of what The Farewell just did a couple weeks ago during its first opening, its first few theaters. So those are two films that, you know, The Favorite only ended up winning one Academy Award. It was nominated ten times. The Farewell is being advocated for a couple categories, not ten, I don't think. So... For Loose to have Academy legs, I know the box office doesn't dictate the entire day. It doesn't tell the entire story of what a film will do when it comes to the Oscars, but this one doesn't seem to be on the same footing as those two. That being said, The Favorite made $95 million total at the box office, and if, you know, Loose makes $60 million, right. I'm sure they're very happy. I'm sure. That would be huge. Right. It's not going to make $60 million. It's probably going to make $30 million, yeah. and they're probably still happy. You would think, yeah, I, that's a good point. As if they're if they're in the game for profit, then yeah, and hopefully the prestige follows, and maybe we'll be an Oscar contender. We'll, we'll see. see. We'll move on to some trailer thoughts. Trailer thoughts. What are we starting with trailer wise today, Mike? Little monsters. Lupita Nyong'o, Josh Gad. This was a fun trailer, yeah. right? 
we have the, it's zombies again. And then the other soldier asks, fast ones or slow ones, sir? Slow. <laughs> so that's like a meta joke that's on the nose, but I still like it. I like this trailer. That it's was fun. fun. Josh Gad is hysterical. He's killing me. He won't let the little kids into his like safe house place, his little fort that he makes up. And then he bites a zombie at the end. He's like, how do you like it? What have I done? He's like, blah, blah. It's funny, right? It's an interesting concept. Lupita Nyong'o's like this kindergarten teacher, this class teacher that is taking her kids on a bunch of four and five-year-olds on a field trip where a zombie outbreak happens. Isn't that your nightmare? Yeah. Not the zombie part. Taking four and five-year-olds on a field trip. Yes. God bless these people. Yeah. And Lupita Nyong'o just playing it up. It's really funny. Like, she is just the height of poise in this trailer. And you kind of need to be in that circumstance. And Definitely. I, I don't know how anyone would relate to that exactly, but... <laughs> It's certainly interesting enough concept that I'm, I'm intrigued. I definitely want to see this. I like the guy who's supposedly her helper. <laughs> like the yeah, guy. just a waste there, not doing much of anything. <laughs> the, the chaperone, whatever. It's funny. I'm going to see it, definitely. The Hunt, Mike. Yeah, look, so first things first, to be serious for a minute, it's very difficult to watch a trailer like this. After the news. Uh, after the news that we've been living through the last couple God, days with all God these almighty. senseless and selfish shootings going on. And so... Through no fault of the studio, through no fault of the movie, we yeah. just had to re- mention it because it's tough to watch something where there's a film where humans are being hunted after these kinds of events. So that's it's we got to talk about it. Now that said, for this type of movie to be greenlit at all in the first place, it needs to be more than just the movie where humans are hunted as it is. And this one seems to have a classism commentary, a commentary on the one percent and how they treat the ninety nine percent. There's some like purge type storylines going on here and how the the well-to-dos are always well better off in these situations than what they're having fun at the expense right. of so that's interesting i like the cast ike Barinholtz, emma roberts obviously hillary swank in there and betty gilpin and betty she's gilpin. been awesome in glow and uh we like those other actors and actresses hillary swank is like the killian character yeah. in a way i mean it reminds me of the running man even though it's not really broadcast it reminds me of westworld and like you said yeah. the purge most dangerous game of course this trailer kind of makes me angry again not because it looks bad in any way it just i get the whole movie in the trailer right it's literally there are sequ- there are snippets from each act of the movie yeah you see what you would think would be the final confrontation between betty gilpin's character it and builds up character. to that yeah. so what are we doing well, maybe it's hiding the ball a little bit. Maybe there is stuff in there that will be a surprise and there are a couple twists and turns. I also did not see Can't You See by the Marshall Tucker Band being the song to be chosen for this type of trailer to right. break out in the middle of it. They keep picking weird songs for yeah. these horror movies, and usually it works. Craig Zobel, he's done Compliance and Z for Zachariah, so he's made some solid movies already. So I'm in. I'm in. I'm, I'm looking to see this. This sure. is Blumhouse, right? Yes, it is Blumhouse, yeah. so you know it's going to be... They at least care about their script writing there and what they adapt to screens. All right, on to the main event. <laughs> Sex Tuplets, Mike. This is the Marlon Wayans Netflix movie, and we got some of our people weighing yeah. in online to your Twitter question. Ryan L. Terry at RLTerry1 said... The one time he didn't wear a condom as a caption for the movie. Oh, no. Ben Miller, here he is. Yeah. Says, uh, everything you didn't want, comma, six times. That one made me guffaw. Simon the Depressed Moviegoer at Depressed Movie said, the least talented Wayans, six times. Oh, God. And Movie Geek and Proud said, I'm just trying to get some of that Norbit money. That's what this is, right? This is the Nutty Professor, but with a Wayans brother. So, this trailer. Pretty good first ten seconds. As first 10 seconds of trailers go, this is pretty good. It made me laugh twice. 
we had the introduction to the new character, like the fat brother. Uh-huh. The, the look that that guy gives, it was goofy and it made me laugh. And then the Idris Elba joke was funny-ish. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> There's so much low-hanging fruit in this trailer. It, it's all downhill. Yeah, first time, I mean, it looks seconds. it looks like it was... This belongs in, like, the early 2000s, right? It is corny as shit, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, it's this is a movie. It looks like it's straight out... The one thing... There was a highlight, and to me... Marlon Wayans playing the Dawn character, the only female sibling there. I really like the makeup. I couldn't really tell it was him under all that makeup and prosthetics or whatever they use, so I, I appreciate that. There's too many, like, sexual jokes involving his long-lost brothers and sisters. <laughs> like, what the hell is that? <laughs> I don't know what this movie. I, I, this is amazing that this got screenlit. <laughs> it's, it's really awesomely bad. Yeah. The trailer right there. Whoops. Go, go check it out. I guess <laughs> we can't help ourselves. We're Oscar movie critics. We can't help ourselves. We're gonna. No, no, no. If something's funny, it's funny. This wasn't funny. It wasn't funny. <laughs> All right. I'm trying to give people an out, but nobody is gonna like this. Or some I people are gonna like this. Maybe the. You know, there's a, there's a big cult of people out there that love, like, white chicks when it came out and that type of movie. Right. I would assume it's the same type of comedy, so maybe that speaks to you. <sighs> I grew up on Marlon Wayans. Yeah, I know. I grew up on his sitcoms. I, I love the, the Wayans brothers. brothers. Damn. I love Scary Movie. And somebody suggested that if Marlon Wayans should do some spoofs like Scary Movie, like he did back in the day, and just spoof the MCU. I would love that. That's do that. right, Colby Max. Yeah, that yeah, was, uh, was Colby Max. All right, yeah, so Colby. do that. I, I'm all in for that. I'm in. I love Scary Movie 4 or 5. However right. many of them exactly. there were, I love them all. I really did, but they were all funny. I'm with you. Gosh darn it. American Dreamers, Mike. This is Jim Gaffigan as a father so desperate to make his child support payments that'll kidnap somebody else's kid and ransom them in the ultimate dramatic irony of everyone's careers. I'm I'm confused by this premise because it looks like he kidnaps the guy. So it's this drug, I don't know, dealer, lord, whatever. He drives him around for $200 a day. A day. Right. Isn't that enough? It's nice money. That's good money. If you need money to pay your child support payment. But instead, he needs 20. He wants to kidnap the guy's son for $20,000. But then he goes back after he's kidnapped the, the son and keeps working for the guy, hoping the guy will never find out that it's him. Yeah, I got news for you, Jim Gaffigan, in the movie. You're going to make more money driving this guy around every day than you would by ransoming his kid. And it's much less risky, perhaps? I mean, that's $1,000 a week, isn't it? Yeah. How many weeks in a year? 67? Right. Yes. You're, you're 65? It's 52, Mike. 52? It's still more than 20 grand. <laughs> 67. I only watch movies. How many weeks in a year? 102? One? Uh, Mike, this is much more money than he... Than he yeah, it's a quick score. But what's going to put him in the situation where he needs that much money that fast? Now, speaking about it from a movie's perspective, I like seeing Jim Gaffigan in this type of role. I mean, this is not anything we're used to seeing out of him. This yeah. kind of dramatic and psychological thriller, maybe a little bit. We know he has so many kids, so right, that's true too. he's always making, doing yeah. his comedy about having like, he's got like 11 kids, something crazy like that. That can't be true. He's got a lot you of You just kids. said there were 67 weeks in a year, so I'm a little skeptical about I'm the fact you're I'm pretty sure he has 11 children. <laughs> Biological children. <laughs> Tigers are not afraid was also a trailer that came out. So Veronica last year yeah. was a Mexican horror movie that we absolutely adored. Loved it. And it, was, it came on Netflix. This movie has quite the hype this week, and I over, uh, overcame this with a Slash Film article. Thank you again. Slash Film for guiding my movie taste. <laughs> 81 Metascore, release date is August 21st, 
Mike, this film, Tigers Are Not Afraid, had two years of the film festival circuit. It won Interesting. A, yeah, won awards at the Aerials, Calgary, Bilbao, Screamfest, and the uh, After Dark Toronto International Film Festival lineup here. It's quite a lineage. In this trailer, we get superlative reviews from Stephen King, Neil Gaiman, and Guillermo yeah. del Toro. That's awesome. That is. That's high praise. We got this kids versus gangsters reality set up, and then we got this, she somehow gets three wishes from a genie, but it could be an evil genie. It's The suggestion is that it's, it's be careful what you wish for type movie, yeah. She doesn't make precise wishes. I mean, she's a kid. She's like an 11-year-old kid. I wish my mom would come back. Oh, no, you're going to get a ghost mom. <laughs> you're going to get a ghost mom from an evil genie if you make that wish. This kind of is a blending of... A horror fairy tale and just a straight up horror movie. It's it's got the tone and the premise that to, I'm kind of surprised this isn't just a straight up Guillermo del Toro movie. Like this isn't something he's just doing because it seems like it's very him. And there's a blending of the fantasy in here as well. We got a tiger that comes to life, like the stuffed tiger animal, this cartoon tiger animal right. that, that comes to life at one point. I love these genre benders when they're done well. Right. And it does seem like this is more horror than anything, but they kind of the trailer plays more fairy tale. Right. Yeah, well, cool. I would agree. So if nothing else, it's piqued our interest, right? It certainly is, looks intriguing. It's coming to Shudder for sure. I don't know if it'll be VOD or limited release. 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's so massive. I'm interested. Yeah. Mindhunter Season 2 debuted its first trailer. Now, did you watch Season 1? I have to, but no, I did not, and I don't know why. I really liked it. David Fincher directed four episodes of it. To the, I liked it to the point where I watched the season, the series twice. And Fincher's like one of my favorite directors as well, so I don't know. I gotta get on that. I was obsessed last year, last year, two years ago. I, don't, I forget when Season 1 came out, but this is some scary and fascinating stuff. They're doing a great job with the makeup and hairstyling, and that looks like Charlie sure Manson. Does. That looks like Son of Sam. Uh, David Fincher's got a unique look to all of his stuff. He's only directing the first and last episode of this particular season, which I'm a little disappointed about. He's delegating more than he did last year. So what is the premise here? They go to these actual real-life historical serial killers to help them find another one? Is this like Silence of the Lambs? Yeah, but it's a true story in a way because the BTK killer is doing it contemporaneously. So the FBI is basically learning about serial killers for the first time. They're learning how to classify serial killers for the first time. And I don't know how loosely based it is on real history, but I, I know it is kind of real history. So the FBI has never really classified these killers before. Hmm. And you have these two kind of, you know, freaks of the Bureau. They're all they're called the freaks of the Bureau or whatever, and the... the it's crazy that they are on the cutting edge of this new study and you got this like in the basement of the, of the right. FBI that's where this is all happening and, and then they go on tour interviewing the serial killers we got Manson and Son of Sam and year. according to IMDB uh, it's, it is Damon Harriman again the guy that did play Charles Manson in Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood he'll be reprising that role for this series that's interesting in and of itself to me but also he's only in one episode apparently right so I would think it'd that's be all you Manson, need but, yeah. cameo yeah. but that's a the perfect Manson beard oh, yeah. after watching all those documentaries, Mike. It looks exactly like Charlie Manson. Yeah, oh, Damon Harriman might have a whole career here of oh, just no. uh, poor guy <laughs> just being Mansonite. After the wedding, Mike, this is a remake of a Suzanne Beyer film from 2006. She made great movies throughout the 2000s, four of them that I really loved. Going back to Brothers, right? Yeah. And they remade Brothers into a Natalie Portman, mm -hmm. Tobey Maguire mm -hmm. film. Jake Gyllenhaal. 
Jake Gyllenhaal. My new boyfriend. Yeah, you just. I did a deep dive of just Jake Gyllenhaal being Jake Gyllenhaal today on YouTube, and I'm in love with him. (laughs) You're like, he's not just a pretty face. (laughs) (laughs) He's a really great guy, and I want to hang out with him. So I was like, yeah, it's true love. Yeah, it's not just lust. These are legitimate feelings. Yeah. All right, so Suzanne Beyer, to get back to her. Broke out this year with the huge Netflix success of Bird Box. Mm-hmm. She had made The Night Manager as a miniseries for AMC. Did you watch that? I did, because I love her stuff. Right. But like all of the stuff I've seen recently, I haven't been in love with like it, like I was when she was doing Danish films and earlier in her right. career. So she comes over and kind of struggles with the English language films for a while. All that being said, people still are going crazy for her stuff. At least the Netflix people are. Now we get a 59 Metascore for the remake of her film. And obviously Michelle Williams, Julianne Moore, Billy Crudup, Oscar caliber caliber people, they love this remake idea. But like I said, 59 Metascore, the trailer's great. I love the trailer. It's got all these twists and turns in there, Mike. But we just... We don't have a good movie. I almost am curious to watch this because to see where they screwed up. How do they screw this up? If it's, I could see it being an issue if the conflict is no more than what it's suggesting to be in the trailer. Because the suggestion of the trailer, Michelle Williams works for this orphanage. She's trying to get money from millionaire Julianne Moore, who is in a relationship with Billy Crudup. Oh, but there's wife, obviously yeah. some kind of tension between Crudup and Michelle Williams. Their paths have crossed before. So if that's the whole conflict of the movie, where it's just yeah, they slept together once and. He doesn't remember, or she's got a little psychotic in him, or she, or he's got a little psychotic in him. Great wedding dance scene in the original movie to It's Raining Men with the whole cast, Oh yeah, by the way. Great. Do, do they, I mean, you realize, I understand the title and the premise of this film, but this whole thing could have been avoided if Julianne Moore just doesn't invite Michelle Williams to that wedding, right? Because that's a psycho move in the first place. Well, I don't think she realized that they were, had the past lives together. It doesn't matter. Somebody's coming to you asking for money... For an orphanage in a different country, and you're like, oh, come to my daughter's lavishly extravagant wedding that I'm spending all sorts of money on, and we'll talk about me maybe helping you out. <laughs> That's going to be a problem. I don't know. <laughs> I, do, I don't remember this movie from 2006. I just remember really loving it in 2006, the original film. Best, I think it won or was nominated for Best Foreign Film. I Your should. point's well taken. It's hard to believe a film helmed and led by Julianne Moore going head-to-head with Michelle Williams at certain points is going to fall flat. So I'm, I am interested to see. And we just talked about how the front runner had middling reviews and there's value in it. So maybe this will be another case of that and people are just wrong from the outset. Uh, we will wrap up by talking about some things we may or may not care about. This is the Do You Care segment. This is where we take news stories of the week. We ask each other, do we, should we, or will we care about them? The way we start off every Do You Care segment is we take the new releases coming out to theaters this week, and we ask Michael here if he cares about them. Going to try to do this in a little bit of a higher-paced lightning round format, but we have a lot of releases this week. The Art of Racing in the Rain. No! Banks, Door of the Lost City of Gold. No! The Kitchen. Yes. Scary Stories is Down the Dark. Yes. Those are all released nationwide. We also have After the Wedding. Yes. One Child Nation. Uh, later on and, Amazon. And the Peanut Butter Falcon. <laughs> Maybe. Which are all released limited. Is that your, where you fall on all this? Yeah, that's where I fall on. The big question for me this week is Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, The Kitchen, what are those reviews? 
neither one has reviews yet, which is a bad omen. Mm-hmm. Is The Kitchen an Oscar movie? Do we need to do an Oscar sprint profile on God, it? I hope so. I know I'm not going to see the Kevin Costner voice dog Golden Retriever movie because it's so manipulative. I almost cried in the theater. It's just like a dog's journey from Dennis yep. Quaid. Yep. Uh, I'm so mad at those kind of movies. <laughs> I know you are too. Yeah, you feel I, the same way. I, I can't watch those movies. Can't do it. Yeah. So, that, yeah, the big question is scary stories or the kitchen. We'll see. Do we see them both? Do we see neither? We'll find out. Mike, James Wan is producing the I Know What You Did Last Summer TV series. Why are we doing this? Like, don't we have enough history and evidence that prove that horror movies don't work when adapted into TV series? You can argue about whether Scream worked. I, I, Ash versus Evil Dead, I guess, did work a little bit. But yeah. there's no debate that the movies are better and held in higher regard nine times out of ten here, right? The Mist yes. didn't work. The Exorcist didn't work. Scream, I just said, kind of didn't work. The Walking Dead worked, but that never started as a movie. That started as a comic book first. But, uh, you know. You're talking about horror TV series, but the mm-hmm. remakes in particular haven't worked, right? right. Well, the yeah, the one, yeah, exactly. The ones that started as movies at one point and then were adapted into television from there. Yeah. I don't see a lineage success. Because there's not enough there in this story, you think? Just... I, I don't know what the reason... I would think something like The Mist would work. I can't... The Exorcist, I have a tough time seeing as it's developed into a TV series. But, like, The Mist, I could see being having success. I could see something like... I, I know what you did last summer. I could see it being a successful TV story. Mm-hmm. Scream should be, too, because they're both kind of whodunits in a way, even though I know what you did last summer it explains who it is right from the top anyway. But If you're not into this, I don't I don't know if a lot of people are going to be... Yeah, I'm not, I'm not crazy about it. Because you're into that franchise, yeah, right? I am. I, I, what are you waiting for? Uh, Mike... There's a lot of speculation on what's going on with the Marvel Cinematic Universe after what happened at Comic-Con in Hall H. Do we care? Two really good articles on The Hollywood Reporter, one by Rosie Knight, and she asks, could Blade introduce the X-Men? She does all this cool research about how Blade pops up in the X-Men storyline in the comics, the uncanny X-Men, and it's awesome. Like, there's like a vampire that allows itself to be blown up in the sun, just basically walk out in the sun, and the blood gets everywhere, and it gets on Jubilee somehow. Oh, and then okay. That's like a wild storyline. And then you have like Dracula being a character in the X-Men films. In all these examples, it's basically a non-origin story, though. It's just like X-Men were always there, vampires were always right. there. So, again, points for trying here, Miss Rosie Knight. You're much better writer than you and I. But I think we're stretching for it. Like I think Marvel, if they... They're going to have to argue away the obvious objections. We did a whole hour and a half on this or whatever yeah. we did. They're going to have to introduce the X-Men in some way. It can't just yada yada it like Black Panther or like other characters that just popped up have always been here. They're going to have to give us some kind of origin story, even though the X-Men was based on Stan Lee not wanting to do origin stories. <laughs> That's true. And also, <laughs> I mean, having just seen them, you know, we need the origin story insofar as we need them to be... Marvel properties now, mm-hmm. you know they need Marvel's issue of the X Men, but all I don't know that we need a full fledged origin story for every single one because we who doesn't know who Wolverine is at this point? Yeah, true. I don't want the same old, same right. old, but I I need something on the X Men. You gotta be you gotta dazzle me a little Agreed. bit. And the other article was by Richard Newby, and he asked the question: Will in the multiverse of madness have evil versions of MCU heroes? This is a great article about Ooh. how Nightmare is such a scary villain, how there might be the House of M storyline with the Multiverse of Madness, but also... You need Magneto, though. Maybe if they introduce okay. their own version of Magneto. So again, X-Men, you need, yeah. need them to be involved. But like the article title said, will there be an evil Hulk, an evil Spider-Man? 
I'm saying evil Tony Stark. I don't want an evil Iron Man. I don't want an evil Spider Man. Evil Hulk has kind of already been done before in Ultron. It has. So, what do you think? Do you want this this to happen? I mean, you're asking the wrestling fan if he wants to see heel turns. <laughs> yes, please. So, <laughs> I'm not the right audience to, so you to, do. to promulgate what you're pitching there. You yeah, want yeah. I would love to see. I, I mean, I certainly there's a way it can go wrong very easily. I agree. Right. But, sir, yeah, I would love to see that just as a one-off movie. Sure. Mike, the Game Night directors, and you like Game Night. Yes. They are rolling the dice on Dungeons & Dragons. This was a Slash Film article. That was actually the title of the Slash Film article, which I thought was very cute as well. Yeah, uh, do you care? I care if they bring in Brennan Lee Mulligan to the writer's room, right? Because you need passion. Yeah. I mean, fundamental driver right, of a project. They tried like this. this. They tried making Dungeons & Dragons a movie already in 2000. Ah, ironically enough, Marlon Wayans <laughs> and Jeremy Irons were the lead there. It was panned both critically and financially. It was bad. I saw that. But we know... Why did you see that? <laughs> I remember seeing that. I remember hating it. It was not a good movie. We know that there's this lust for franchises now, right? If there's a long-running property out there, people are going to want to adapt it into films and make money off it and juice yeah. it for all it's worth. You need passion in the writer's room. That's why I'm not. I'm kind of tongue-in-cheek. I mean, Brendan Lee Mulligan, he's an established comedic writer and performer. Fantasy High is a great show. He I'm runs that whole thing. He's the game master. I actually, I sent this to him yesterday during a DM, and right. he, he sent back, he was laughing at it, he sent a couple emojis back at me, I was like, what do we gotta do? Who do I have to talk to, to get you in this writer's room here? So, <laughs> I think it's an easy property to screw up, and I say that because it's already been screwed up, so I, I will care if they get people that we know have a love and affinity and attachment to the Dungeons and Dragons property in the writer's room to take care of it, because that's the only way I think it can succeed. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Mike, Primal will trap Nick Cage on a ship! With killer animals. I'm so in. So this is a documentary, right? <laughs> <laughs> He's like becoming the king of camp these days. Oh, yeah, yeah. Nicholas Cage. You know, mom and dad, Mandy, let's go. Mm -hmm. I'm totally in. Of course. Mike Dune was moved to December 2020. Is this a bad omen? Is this the just jockeying for position? What is this? I can be told anything about Dune at this point, and I don't think I would either care or be surprised. Like, <laughs> Dune moved to December 2020. Dune to exhume Peter O'Toole from the grave. Villeneuve to look into feasibility of shooting on Mars. <laughs> Whatever. Just give me the movie first look when it's ready. You know, like, everyone's being hired. It's, yeah. so, it's costing so much money. Just give me the look of the movie. I wish it was a comedy because I want a comedy to say starring all of Hollywood. Right? right. Yeah, like yeah. It's either it's either this or Tenet. Those are your two that you're working on in 2020. Exactly. And then the film industry ends, I guess, because we've accomplished. Everything. It's going to end six degrees of MMO because <laughs> everybody is in everything, and, and every everybody who's been in any, everything is in Tenet or Dune. That's that's very true. We're going to so have to outlaw those. Two it's going to be the series finale of movies in 2020 <laughs> and Six Degrees. Uh, Mike Buzz Lerman is doing an Elvis biopic he cast Tex from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as the king. Do we care? Yeah, Tex looks a little bit like young Elvis. I can see that. I'm surprised to admit it, but when you look at the, the two photos next to each other, it, it makes sense. Now, the big question is, can he sing? You know, he probably needs to be able to sing at the end of the day, just we, we just saw Taron Egerton not get out of the park. I can't say that dude's name for the life of me. <laughs> really Taron <can>. Egerton. <laughs> Taron Egerton. Oh, my God. So, we'll see. I just think this is interesting because you have long-term planning for a music movie, music biopic franchise. Years ago, we never would have said this because that musical biopic 
was not a blockbuster. Nope. If anything, they usually like tanked unless they were a prestige picture like Ray. It gradually became uh, a situation where Walk the Line and Ray mm-hmm. could make some money, but it wasn't making you know a Star Is Born money. It certainly wasn't making bow rap money. This genre is now in 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 a, in a rarefied air. And, and why you, why did it start? Because the studio put money into an original property film. That's what happened. Sure. You know? But now you got 2021. We're getting ready for the Elvis movie. I um, guess if you're gonna, you know, long term plan for a certain bio musical biopic, Elvis I is the one that. Remember the Beatles, right? Yeah. yeah. So uh, Boz Lerman though hasn't hasn't directed a movie since The Great Gatsby in 2013, which uh, was fun. Yeah, was was fun. I agree. Mike, an extended Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is being planned for Netflix. What does that mean? <laughs> extended. So it's going to be four hours? I mean, it is extended. It's an extended movie. He put in whatever he wanted. He had complete creative control. If Gun to your head right now. Do you want a longer version or a shorter version on Netflix? Longer. I want I want to live in that world. I want, I want a movie that just goes forever. I'd be curious for my first rewatch since the study, right? right. The four-watch study. Right. I would like to see like a two hour and 15 minute version to see if I'm right or if I'm an idiot. You want what you want cut out, cut out of it though. But, but, yeah. But be, Let you, me like cut. You want creative control. I know you have final <laughs> cut there, Quentin. Let me cut a version of your movie, right? So what's the big deal? Well, let's just see what it is. Yeah, we've proven ourselves. <laughs> Enough's enough here. And see if that works a little better. If it doesn't, then you're right and release your four hour cut on Netflix. We're going to watch this. Of course. Line, of right? course. Yeah. Of course. I'm amazed it's going to Netflix in the first place, to be honest with you. Um, hey, that's your week. That's your setup for all the things week. that happen in Hollywood and will set you up for the Hollywood week to come. Thank God we've turned the Oscars weekly program into its own show because imagine having that to do on top of all this news because the Hollywood news is just in overdrive lately. And that usually is what happens as we enter Oscar season on an annual basis. We're going to sure. have a lot more stories both in and outside of the Academy Awards purview and we're going to be here to cover it all for you. And we want to know your thoughts about all of it, uh, including anything we do in the MMO Empire here, any kind of Oscar sprint profile we put forward any kind of rewatch we've heard us commenting all along this episode we just did our two-part once upon a time in hollywood oscar sprint profile slash tarantino rewatch review we wanted to hear your thoughts about that and anything else comments questions concerns you can reach out to us we are mike mike and oscar on facebook mike mike and oscar on instagram mm and oscar on twitter mike mike and oscar at gmail.com.com and on reddit we are available everywhere you hear podcasts whether that's TuneIn, stitcher soundcloud itunes apple Podcasts, which are the same thing i guess uh if you have a minute you enjoy what we do here if you can leave us a five-star review leave us a nice comment we'll give you a shout out on air those really go a long way yes, we appreciate you. that as well michael it's monday for a lot of these people that are listening to this right now let's talk about what's coming next from mmo and give these people some nice words of wisdom to go into the week with yeah we're gonna do the tarantino award show to wrap things yeah. up we're gonna do an osp on the farewell and now sure we are. have not one but two weekly news variety shows we got the oscar race checkpoint which i'm very proud of you as a coinage as a branding device it goes with the oscar sprint you got the brainchild while playing mario kart so the words of wisdom is play mario kart (laughs) and you will learn how to brand our show and good job i just want to say took almost two years to get one thing we like with branding down so that's that's the track record we're on uh guys when reality sucks you can come watch all these movies with us we are mike mike and oscar trying to make award season year round without the stuffiness we will see you later this week see you